Welcome among the released. Tonight I'm running into a traveler. Uh, <laughs> who are you and what are you doing in this place called London? Well, first I gotta say hello, heroes. I am James D'Amato. I'm president of the One Shot Network, host of the One Shot podcast, and also host of Campaign. And I do a bunch of other stuff. And I'm here in London, actually, on my honeymoon. Oh, congratulations. Oh, thank you very I much. Thank that. you very much. Mel and I got married in September, but we saved our honeymoon for a bit later. And we took a small portion of our time abroad to do a meetup here in London with a bunch of other gamers and, and you know game content creators. With exactly 20 people at a time. Exactly 22 was our limit. 22. <laughs> Including yourself and your beautiful wife. Yes, exactly. So, so 20 <laughs> others is what we could get. But yeah, that part is unfortunate. But I have to say I got a very warm reception here. And I was so delighted to meet everybody who came out to the meetup. I will jump to the traditional question of the show. Mm -hmm. And what I'll do is that I will have a walk and see if there's room for me later. How would you describe tabletop RPG to someone who never played or witnessed any game, anything? I would describe it as structured collaborative storytelling. So it's the sort of thing where if I said, hey, we're going to tell a story together and that intimidates you, don't worry, there are rules to follow so you can't mess it up. That's what I would say. Awesome. What are you playing up there? We're actually playing a couple of bluffing games. We're playing a game called Skull, which is very, very cool. Is it Skull and Roses? It is Skull and Roses. They put out a new version of it that has, I think, a bit prettier art. But yeah, we were just playing that. It's not quite a role-playing game, but it's kind of most... It's like bluffing strategy. It's something that I would definitely incorporate into a role-playing game to create kind of a tense scene, for sure. One of the things that I love about simple board games like that is you can use those mechanics to underscore different moments in your games. I often like playing Foxes and Hares or, you know, some other game that's like very simple to play but incorporated into the role playing to make the scene more tense we actually did that on campaign with Illimat recently so well, it's your last day here in london it is so how was your stay what did you enjoy the most here oh, it was a great stay i mean so far this has been the most enjoyable to me but you know any moment where you get a chance to like actually sit down and play games is great but I also enjoyed Camden Market, and we, you know, did a lot of the touristy sightseeing yesterday, and we enjoyed that, too. And then you're moving to Florence, which is a, another excellent choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about the gaming scene out in Florence, apart from what you've told me. Well, you can listen to the episode I send you on the way. Exactly. Yeah, I'm very excited to listen to that. And I, like, Florence, for me... The big draw is Machiavelli's tomb, but everything else is there as well. I miss that. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of gelato and the... Uh, well, uh, yes, there's the, the food, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I miss that. I didn't know Machiavelli was... Uh... He's buried in Florence. Florence is his favorite place in the world. He wrote endlessly about it. His dream was a free Florence, you know, not ruled by any sort of tyrannical dictator. And he never got to see that dream and he was tortured for it. But he wrote The Prince because of that. And it made him famous for something that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, yeah, it's, he's really misunderstood. I read The Prince mm -hmm. at the time I was playing Legend of the Five Rings, actually, mm -hmm. because I, I thought it was a really informative read when you play. Especially in, uh, if you're going to GM, for sure. I was a Yoriki in Ryoko Owari, so it was still very useful to have an idea of what was going on. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much. I will drop by later. And what I do is that I will interview uh, some of your listeners. Ooh, as well. okay. What a, that's a slick move. I like it. We'll see how things turn out. Hopefully, I can get an episode out of that. So <laughs> That would be great. We'll see. Traveling's really my thing. I like to travel. See you on a bus at night. Sand in your eyes You talk a lot like me My doppelganger Fairy with a lock and key She's got a map of your mind In a rest stop upstate Little driver Stubble on Italian I am just a man and I like my space Devil 
And me yeah. being kicked out of this place which shan't be named. <laughs> Who are you? I am Craig. I came to meet James. I've been a fan of One Shot and Campaign Podcast for a little while. Are you a fellow Londoner as well? I'm not. I'm from uh, Woking, so sort of just outside, 20 minutes by the train. So you rode the train tonight? I'm on the train, yeah. Well, it will be patient, and I'm sure yeah. the establishment will find some room for us a bit later. Yeah, fingers crossed. Or did you find out about One Shot RPG? It was a friend of mine a few years ago just told me this podcast is great. Listen to it. And so, yeah, started listening to it. So was it one shot or campaign? It was one shot I started listening to, then went on to campaign and became a big fan of that one, actually. A big follower of it. I like it a lot. Do you remember which episode it might have been? Which episode? Um, or when he told me about it, I started from the beginning because I like to start things from the beginning. So yeah. you went to number yeah, one? Yeah, I went okay. to number one. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, because it's one shot. You could, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before people don't I know guess, the show, you can take it. I guess you could jump anywhere. in anywhere, really, couldn't you, with any game? But yeah, I went, went back to the start. I was discussing with colleagues recently. They were sort of fascinated by the format of Black Mirror. They yes. were like, yeah. and each episode is standalone and i was like yeah that's called an anthology show and before the time of deep space nines and babylon 5 most shows were anthology shows because yeah, they would yeah. be shown on tv you could not binge them so their format is that you can watch whatever yeah and it's dip in and out monster of the week kind of thing yeah so do you remember what the first episode of one shot was about because i didn't start with number one so i didn't listen to that one Looking back, I have no idea. I can't remember it at all. <laughs> Any favorite one then? My favorite one. Uh, ooh, I trying to think. I really liked the Feng Shui episodes. Feng Shui, Feng Shui. I think that's how it's pronounced because it's supposed to be pronounced wrongly. Yeah, isn't it? I always wonder if it was Feng Shui or so. Yeah, yeah, in the field of architecture, it's used, but yeah, never had someone knowledgeable to tell me which I'm one it was. Sure, the point of it they mentioned on the show was that it was supposed to be pronounced wrongly because that was the point. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 it's yeah, possibly. Yeah, but, yeah um, the, the authors definitely call it Feng Shui. I think. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and is it the one with Shaquille O'Neal? Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> no, I remember an episode with Jackie O'Neill fighting Cobra Commander and then oh, they yes. got a basketball yeah, 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 game. Yeah. And I think it was sort of Feng Shui-esque, <laughs> maybe. So I asked uh, James the first traditional question of the show. I'm going to ask you a second one. Or did you start playing role-playing games? I was probably about 19 or 20, I think, and I had some friends that did it, and I didn't really get it, and I was interested, and I used to mock them all the time for being nerds because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they were playing um, Marvel superheroes, uh, f the phase rip. Oh, nice. Time. Yeah, started playing that, and I was hooked. Just got right into it, you know, really, really enjoyed it. Um, the GM that was running at Brady, really good storyteller. So, yeah, it was, it was great. That kind of got me into it, and... Um, now I have shelves and shelves full of books and rule systems that I'm probably never going to get to play, you know? <laughs> do you master or? Um, I do. I actually run a little podcast that's got about four listeners at the moment. Oh, go um, ahead, plug it. Yeah, The Game Master and Me. So it's uh, me and a, a friend of mine, because I moved away from Summer's Wells where I was originally, and um, we sort of didn't really find a group for a little while. So me and him just sort of try and play two-player games together and make things run two players, and we thought we'd podcast about it to, well give us sort of inspiration to keep doing it if you see what i mean and um, yeah it's fun you can have an episode about the new box set by wizard of the coast apparently because you got uh, dungeons and dragons rules for two players uh, oh. on, in that oh do you know what i hadn't come across that well you see oh. well, yeah i i can tell you you're new in the game of oh, yeah, rpg I'm podcasting <laughs> but, i am uh, actually yeah <laughs> i'll get you sorted <laughs> <laughs> thanks man <laughs> i got so many more than four oh i don't <laughs> I think what we'll do is that if you're keen to, let's find another place. There's plenty of nice places this way. We're going to inhale some fumes from... Uh, from all the painting. Yeah, from all the painting from the graffiti artists. But uh, at the end of this tunnel, there's a lot of coffee and drinking place. So we can have a drink there and wait for some of the numerous fan of James to leave the premise and yeah. open a little spot for Try us. Try and sneak in. Brilliant. Let's do it.
post office line. There's always someone next to me who in stage whispers complains. We are back at the place we shan't be named because it's too small for all the fans of One Shot RPG. And I'm here with three fans of One Shot RPG. Could you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Luca. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm Matt. Oh, did you find out about One Shot RPG? I found out about it because my friends bullied me into listening. They uh, originally listened to campaign podcasts and a couple of others sort of surrounding it. And I wanted to know what they were talking about. So (laughs) I started listening to it and really enjoyed it. Uh, I struggle to remember. I know I started back in the Edge of the Empire campaign, which I think was like 2014, 2015, and I've just listened to bits that tickle my fancy since then. And I think I started by following James on Twitter, James D'Amato, and came to the actual campaign from one sh- the OneShot Network, generally. Did the three of you play role-playing games before listening to OneShot? I'd actually kind of just started getting into role-playing games just as I started finding... I was looking for podcasts that were about that kind of thing and Campaign was one of the first ones I found. Uh, So it was helping you... Absolutely, yeah, and it really... I still haven't managed to actually play any of the Edge of the Empire-type games or Genesis, but I would like to. (laughs) I've been playing D&D for a very, very long time and I wanted to take a foray into something else and I found it when I bought Edge of the Empire when that came out and I just needed to listen to someone else play it because uh, that just gives me some pointers in how to run it because I always end up running stuff. So It's an old theme of the Rollies podcast of me having uh, old man memories of the time when you didn't have this kind of resources. You were alone in a corner, the internet did not exist and you had your book and you were trying to work out what is a role-playing game. So... Luca, what was your experience like? Did you play role-playing games before One uh, Shot? Yeah, I've played a couple. I've mostly only played 5e. I played as a player in a couple of campaigns, and then I decided to DM one without knowing anything, like the actual rules. But one of the things I love about RPGs is that you can kind of make it up as you go along. Like It's very full, sort of free-flowing and creative. And so I DM'd one, and I'm interested in playing a couple of others, like, you know, Dread and the one that they play in Campaign, and Age of Empires, things like that. So, yeah. As a listener myself of One Shot, I found myself um, wanting to play games they played, but at the same time, my expectations were a bit towards myself as a game master and my group of players a bit disproportionate in terms of, oh, what we can do with <laughs> this indie game or this other one. I was wondering, what was your experience? Was it like 
playing versus listening to one shot? I suppose it's a bit weird because obviously a lot of the podcasts I listen to are done by professional voice actors or professional players. We're all professional. Look at this man. Yeah. He's a professional. <laughs> I am a professional. Oh, look at me. I'm such a professional. You but... look more professional than us, actually. <laughs> I'm just like a little bit like a modern cowboy. So... <laughs> I mean, I love voice acting and I love acting. I do that sort of as a hobby. So doing that in the RPG sense with my friends is always fun. So I guess it's a little more... You're not doing it for an audience, I suppose. So it's slightly different. It's generally. true. It, it's, yeah. it's different, yeah. But yeah. it can be very diverse. You know, as a trans guy, I'm completely into that aspect of it, both listening and playing, because you make your own character and you hear people making their own characters. So Have you ever considered trying for an audience like going with... I don't know if you know the... <laughs> Scraticus Academy, you can oh. volunteer I mean, I'd and love do some to. stream. I, my, my dream is to be a voice actor and like an actor, so <laughs> I mean, wait, <laughs> that I'm would not, be that would be the goal. I'm not but... saying yeah, Scraticus is gonna pay you. No, so. no, no. I it's a shit job. No one gets paid being an actor, but <laughs> <laughs> but you can have an experience playing on Twitch. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean something like that would be ideal because you know you're doing something you love for other people who love the subject. So. What about you one shot as setting your expectations for the games you were learning to Yeah, to I mean run? a lot of RPG podcasts and like YouTube channels that set an expectation pretty high, but the ones I tend to go back to and really like are the ones where it still feels like people playing at home. You know, they're good at playing the game, but you know, if it's too polished, it doesn't feel like an RPG anymore. And so I like one shot because like there's still nonsense in it. It's still just, it still just falls apart. If it doesn't ever fall apart, it doesn't feel like your home game and your home game is, should be what it is. And all the, all the ones that work for me still feel like their home game. And like the players are first and the audience is second. And like that feels weird when you're broadcasting something. But at the same time, if everyone in the game is enjoying themselves, people listening will probably enjoy themselves. Whereas if it errs too far towards the, play for the audience and nothing else i guess you like well i do feeling like you are in the room with them and you're with a group of That's friends it. and you're it's enjoying the company as much as the the, the story or yeah yeah it's the same one shot it's the same with critical roles same with the adventure zone it's just like they're f-ing around they sound like they're friends sitting around a table which is what it should be talking a load of nonsense with your friends <laughs> what about you not only expectation of games but you threw yourself in the may i say business of running a podcast yourself oh i'm glad you brought it up because i thought it would be crass if i brought it up <laughs> <laughs> it's not crass what's crass is to use curse words <laughs> that Sorry. i need to bleep them <laughs> so i do run a podcast called merely role players which you can find by searching for that term on itunes and things i will add it to yeah, the show notes thank you very much When we do our recording sessions, we are effectively playing a one-shot each time. So we have sort of four or five act stories, but each one is recorded in a single session. So it is that one-shot, people around the table kind of feel. And we play uh, mostly Powered by the Apocalypse games. The thing that we have is that we're a theatre company, so most of the players are, if they're not stage actors, then they are at least... People who are immersed in the world of theatre and drama. Okay, wow. And so have that kind of performative, slightly dramatic theatrical flair. Fellow thespians, uh, I might say. That is the more highfalutin way of putting it, absolutely, yes. Is there any other way? <laughs> so we do try to tread that line and explore that line between a game that we're playing for ourselves to entertain just ourselves, but also a performance that we are putting on for an audience. And it's something that we've always felt like that that is an overlap between theatre and games, is that when you're on the stage performing, you are performing primarily for yourself and for your fellow cast members and secondarily for the audience. And that that is the same concept for a recorded or an actual play role-playing game. The primary goal is to have fun around the table. And if you don't do that, then why are you even there? Yeah, you cannot communicate, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. But if you're recording it for an audience, you do have to have that eye on making sure that the audience enjoy it and coming up with a satisfying story as well. Speaking of satisfying story, Luca, would you remember what would be one of your most favorite episodes of One Shot? I primarily listen to campaign. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of dabbling in one shot, but I don't think I'm far enough in the episodes to name one in particular. I think with campaign, I just always remember the bit at the very beginning where Johnny is touching the lizard. 
because it's just a stupid moment and I'm like my characters also do stupid moments like that that just make no sense for the rest of the story but are just hilarious can you tell us more about that scene for yeah. people unlike me yeah. of course <laughs> we don't know the details of that so, situation um, on this planet oh I forget what it's called the planet at the beginning make it up is it a sandy planet it's Star it's like Wars a, it's probably like a sandy a, planet a forest planet okay there's lots of lizards on the trees that block the force big lizards medium sized lizards yeah Yamana kind of like Bort and Johnny is talking about them they're on the comms over I think he's talking with Trist over the comms and um, he keeps talking about how he wants to touch the lizard and Trist goes don't touch the lizard don't touch the lizard and I think Lenik at one point goes I know you're going to tell me not to touch the lizard but I've been touching this entire time we've been having this conversation and he's just been like sat there like <laughs> touching this lizard the entire time it's just such a stupid moment but it's moments like that that I just that stick in my mind because they're incredibly relatable as a stupid D&D player so <laughs> What about you? I honestly don't think I've got anything after that. That was the deepest cut. Like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a think. I particularly enjoy. There's a single moment when I think they're on uh, Mandalore, when I think a single bad roll, where I think somebody rolls a despair and a bunch of disadvantages, results in them all creating their own nemesis <laughs> together. Yes. Like, this is something they make up out of whole cloth on the spot because they got a bad roll. And that is what made me want to try that system, is the fact that it can come up with those story moments just from a single roll of the dice that suddenly you've got a nemesis that can give you story for sessions and sessions, episodes and episodes, and the way that they all committed to that. I always really enjoy hearing players in games enjoying putting themselves in bad situations and not feeling like they have to succeed all the time but being very happy saying, oh, that's a bad role. Let's make it as bad as possible for me. I really enjoy that. Where do people can find you uh, online if you wish to be found? Uh, yeah, I'm a low-key digital artist. I can be found on Twitter at Heckle and Hyde. It's about like Jekyll and Hyde, except without the J, with an H at the start. You can find me at TSJ Community, which is the Twitter handle for our podcast where we're trying to make cinematic universe out of all of Looney Tunes from 1937 all the way to Space Jam and now to Space Jam 2 because we'll be doing this forever. You couldn't go ahead and plug your podcast Yeah, so that's hard. basically the gist. We started watching the first time Daffy Duck and Porky Pig met and uh, I think we're in 1952. It's taken us two years so far. Our new aim is to uh, just be invited to the premiere of Space Jam 2 and ideally be credited as assistants to LeBron James. <laughs> and you can find my show at Merely Roleplay on Twitter or at just search Merely Roleplayers like Merely Players like Shakespeare said but Roleplayers on any podcast service The Bard again The Bard indeed of course
bastard Mercutio. I'm not. Another fan of one-shot RPG? Absolutely, yes. I was thinking right here on this spot that I feel like Carl Weathers in Arrested Development. I don't know if you remember I, that. I, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, some people know. I know of the show. Chris from the Space Jam Continuum just got the reference. I did not. <laughs> Quite simply, Carl Weathers is, well, you got a piece of bone, you got a few vegetables, put them in the water, man. You got a stew. Well, here at the Release Podcast... Standing outside a board game cafe that you could not enter, grab a few people, ask them questions. You got an episode. There we go. Who are you? My name's Colin McGinnis. I'm just an RPG fan. I don't have any other formal projects. Being a father of three and a stepfather of two, the hobby that role-playing game can be is a bit... That's five people. You got a party. That, that, that's what everyone says. <laughs> but, you know, 17, 14, okay, maybe. Five, three, and eight months, not so much. So, I mean, in training... Working on them, we'll see what happens. But I knew Dungeons and Dragons as a kid, really enjoyed it. Didn't really get a chance to, oh, I didn't stick with it kind of growing into adulthood and trying to be a proper grown up about things. And over the past 12 months, I've kind of rekindled that enjoyment and what role playing games are, which is the sense of collective storytelling. And, and James with his one shot podcast and, and the other podcasts on his network, they were a big part of that. And I've been living in London since 2002, and he was here, so I thought I'd come over, say hi, and, and meet a few people, and it's been a really good evening. So you moved here in 2002, you That's said? right, yes. Where are you from? I grew up in the United States in Ohio, went to uni in Pennsylvania, lived in Denver for a bit, and came over here through work. There was an opportunity to work here in the UK full-time. And I was single and childless at the time, so I jumped on it. And it, I've been here ever since. I bought in. Ohio. Yes. That's where Dayton is, right? That is where Dayton is. My mother lives about an hour north of Dayton. I have yet to crash at her place to get to a catacon. I just found about uh, that about that last year. Whether I can get the flight back there and figure out a way to convince my wife to let me go... <laughs> And leave her with the five kids? That's a pretty hard sell. Maybe we can work out a way because, well, it's now the former RPG Academy Network, but I was part of that. Okay. And I, I really do hope one day I'd be able to go to Academy. Yeah. Also. No, I, I mean, just going back to the One Shot Network, Ryan and Amelia on Character Creation Cast, they had a great kind of recap of their Academy experience. And it sounds like a really great convention, something a, a little bit off the beaten path, a bit smaller, a bit more intimate. Than, uh, than some of the bigger conventions like Gen Con. Have you tried Dragon Meat over here? I've not tried Dragon Meat it's over there. It's too and nice. Uh, yeah? Tell me the details on that, because I don't know anything, and I'm sure all of your listeners probably do, and I'm the idiot in this conversation, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, Dragon Meat is in December. Okay. Uh, it's a single-day convention. Single-day convention. It's been growing year after year. It's a quite old convention. Some people say it's the oldest in Europe, okay. uh, but that could be challenged. It's quite nice because you got a lot of designers who come. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you want to meet people like Robin D. Lowe or Kenneth Hyde, that's a convention where it's easy to have that experience. Okay. And it's role-playing games of like all genres and yes. things? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not too dominated by 5e or... It's quite bad. Or Pathfinder. It's a bit of everything. Okay. You got, got a bunch of things. It's organized by the team of Modifius. Mm -hmm. And I recorded a couple episodes there, so actually the best way so there, to describe there it. There you go, yeah. My episode. How did you start role-playing games? Was it back in Ohio? Yeah, yeah, no. My older brother had the first edition of Advanced Dungeons and & Dragons, and I played an elf ranger. I forget what we did, but I lived. And then early on in the, in the second game, I died pretty quickly. And then kind of, you know, lost some interest after that. But then I bought, like, the original basic red box played the solo adventure there. Still got it? Mm, I don't think so. I don't want to twist the dice. No, no, no. My, my mom kept them, the TSR Marvel superheroes books. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's some like mid eighties. Yeah. I really got in, just got into the systems and kind of the crunching and the narratives and all of that. And as I just got older, my interest just kind of veered away from that. And I've rediscovered that over the past year, and it's been really exciting. And it's something I've been really passionate about, and I've really enjoyed. 
I've got a special interest in what different countries have to offer in terms of gaming. And of course, everybody knows all the role-playing games from the US. But yes. as someone living in London, are there any games developed around here which you find interesting? The person that comes to mind, um, I know he was meant to be here this evening, and unfortunately he couldn't make it, was Grant Howitt. Yeah, of course. Honey Heist is the viral sensation, I would say. You know, I've listened to some of his work on his Spire project, and that sounds really exciting. Um, That's a train. That's a train. That's a train. Um, I, I've, um, you know, I've met some people. I don't know if you got a chance to talk to them on the on the way out. There's a game design company with the Quill people, and I really apologize because I'm butchering the collective's name. The Rusty Quill people. Yes. Yeah. yeah and. A few of them have their own game design company. Oh, really? I didn't um, even know that. And yeah, and they're, they're looking to play test some stuff later on this year. So cool. if you Google out that stuff, and you'll be able to find something. I just discovered that tonight, so I'll be looking them up and, and seeing what's going on. So there's definitely interest. That was a board game as well, wasn't it, Chris? Coming back? Yeah, that's what about now? The cannibalist game that you designed. Oh, yeah. I, I'm bad at plugging myself. Myself and uh, another guy called Mike Harrison Wood designed a board game called Who Should We Eat, which was released through WizKids uh, about a year and a half ago. It's a social game of being trapped on a desert island and resorting to cannibalism way too quickly. It's mainly a game designed to make you shout at your friends, argue with them, have horrible kangaroo courts to decide maybe who you should eat, but any eaten players come back as ghosts and they're still in the game to just screw with everyone. So uh, it's a fun game for four to ten players. And if you're into the RPG side of things, really leaning into that, makes it a real fun time. I will add it to the show notes. Just in case you want to yell at somebody, you've got that opportunity. Well, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Where can people find you if you want to be found? I am at Twitter. I'm not very active on it, but my Twitter handle is Baldnosis, B-A-L-D-G-N-O-S-I-S. And, you know, just feel free to say hi and you enjoy the chat. And if you're in London, let me know about games going on. I'm definitely open for something if I can get away from the wife and five kids. I am sort of in London. Okay. (laughs) Thank you very much. Any of your listeners, thank you very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. I have eaten my heart. There's a new black hole to look into now. I have eaten my heart. What jaws I have What guts And the teeth You'd give all your life For the teeth I have in my skull I have eaten that burger at me what the wet lettuce regrets my heart how do you suppose an artery sounds when depart the parts that I had yes I had I'm so glad that we got to see you too. Oh, well, it's it's very cool. On one end, it, it's a bit of a pity that it's so on the fly. On the other yeah. end, I, I like things spontaneous like that. I mean, having a thing where we were just in for two days, like there was obviously going to be so much that we missed. But I feel like the stuff that we did get to do was really cool. Well, that's great, and uh, I know what it's like. I like recording when I'm traveling, uh, but there are priorities. So. We are here literally walking down a archway under Waterloo Station yeah. with James and Mel. 
Did yeah. you have a lovely evening tonight, the two of you? Oh, we absolutely did. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love meeting everyone. And it was like a very cool venue. In fact, the place that we're walking through right now is extremely neat. Like the, this archway is covered in graffiti and it looks like they replace it often. Yeah, they, they were painting it as I went through earlier a couple of hours ago. That's quite fascinating. Yeah. Like definitely a cool thing. It feels very much of the place that we're in, you know. It's one of those things where traveling, you see so much global culture going to different places, a lot of the same stores and restaurants, what have you. But it's great to go somewhere and go, oh, no, this is very distinctly culturally ours. It was neat. You went to Camden Market today. You took a few uh, yeah. funny pictures. Camden was a delight. It was really cool to see a bunch of small stalls. It almost felt like a Renaissance fair. That, that is like It was it's such a strange and wonderful place. Just the, the variety. You you initially get there and it just feels like a store that we have called Hot Topic because <laughs> there's leather boots and jackets everywhere and then you get further into it, into the handmade areas and it's just amazing the things that people are making there. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we're taking to the left because okay. I don't want to be blamed for losing the two of you. <laughs> I don't know if we can discuss it, but I heard you mention, not really plans already, but hopes of coming back here and maybe to other places <gasps> oh, in Europe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love to come back. One of the challenges always with travel is, you know, we, we have to consider the show's budget and anything that we do, you know, really has to justify it. So we were thinking of doing like maybe some kind of a live show. We just need to figure out a way to book something that would pay for itself. That can be a bit of a challenge, but I would love to do it. Also, if there are any, you know, European conventions that will have me out, I would do it in a heartbeat. They just really need to provide a hotel room and pay for travel or just email me and we'll work something out. Well, uh, the call is out there and uh, I can try to hook you up uh, with some conventions. Here. Oh, yeah. The question I like to ask to everyone each time is, I was wondering, beside Grant, <laughs> is that the answer from everybody else? Do you know any British role-playing game you find, or European role-playing game you find especially interesting? Uh, let's see. European specifically. That's hard to sort out because Grant is the one that I know. I mean, like, obviously the new Paranoia, which includes Grant, is something that I've really loved. The other way might be... Oh, this way for the... Okay, yeah. We're looking for food. food. It's not the area I know the best. So, yeah, I, I would say Grant is the big one that I know about. If I had, like, my computer in front of me, I might be able to think of a couple more. Um, but, you know, I play so many games by so many different designers, it is difficult for me to keep track of who's from where. Often, before I ask the question, people actually don't really wonder about that. And then they find out that, I don't know, one ring is from Italy or things like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think you would tell me like, oh, this person's European. I'd go, oh, yeah, obviously that makes sense. We played Torg by Ulysses Spiel. I know they're based in Europe. I don't know that I list that as one of my favorites, but I do know that that is like one of the international games that we featured. We try to do that fairly often if we can. So you're, you're going to Italy. Mm -hmm. So any chance you're going to France one day? You know, we don't have a plan for it right now, but like it's always one of those things like if I've got the opportunity to go somewhere, especially the opportunity to go somewhere as an extension of this gaming thing, like I'll absolutely take it. I would love to go to France, but we don't have plans of that right now. I'm kind of focused on English-speaking countries because that's where we've got the highest listenership. Yeah, of course. If there's a place in France that goes, you know, hey, we've got a crowd guaranteed for you out here. Just come out here. We'll buy the tickets. Like, I'll be there in a heartbeat because I love meeting folks, you know, with different role-playing traditions. Yeah, you might want to look into the Netherlands or maybe Germany. Actually, there's more English speakers there. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> love, I love Ant there for business for my old job and realized that I absolutely loved being there. Everyone was super nice. That's a hell of a city, too. It, it's really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, basically anywhere that, that would be interested in having me, like, I would love to go. As long as we can justify that cost, I'll be out there because, like, it's always worth it to meet the people there and see what games they're playing and how different those design traditions are. That's one of the things that's really interesting about Japan is 
they have this really robust RPG design tradition, but the way they play games is so different that those games often end up looking very, very different. Why? That's why the few translated games from Japanese to English are so fascinating in how they're structured and what they do. It's really cool to see more and more Kickstarters translating things and using English as, as a platform. So I'm not a native speaker, but whatever is translating, like something like Shinobigami, which I heard yeah. on your show, is something I definitely want to play and making it available in English. And- it's so cool. It's so cool to like uh, look at a game and go, oh my goodness, why didn't we have that idea? And like think about the reasons that it didn't develop in English and, and all this and then, you know, you take those new design ideas and, and you see what comes out of that. One of the best things about game design sort of as an art form is how limber and loose it is. And once you you take it into another language, the mechanical lessons that we can learn from other cultures are astounding. It's, it's amazing what we can build up. Like, take a look at what Nordic style LARP has done for not only LARP in the United States, but yeah, well, you know, yeah, tabletop. We did not even mention Denmark and, and Scandinavia. There's so much going on there. Yeah, it, it's like it truly, truly humbling all the stuff that's going on. And that cross-cultural conversation in design is really inspiring. And that's one of the reasons that I love doing One Shot is I get to do this show where we try a bunch of different stuff and see how it works out. I think it works both ways, really, and uh, it's great having you here because games are translated to English. They're available uh, more and more in the America. And as far as I'm concerned, I think there's an appetite uh, <laughs> to have, I know it financially difficult, but to have American podcaster visitors because we listen to you. We listen to you hanging around with each other. So, I mean, I'm a listener of She's a Super Geek and the RPG Academy, mm-hmm. and it's great when you have crossover shows with one another, and uh, we can definitely have a a feel of the community which exists <laughs> on the other side of the pond. But uh, yeah, I think it would really be great if more and more of you, we would find a way to make it work. I, yeah, I would I would love I mean, Critical to... Role could spare a few millions now. I, feel, I feel like <laughs> it would be pretty cool to see them come out here. Like There, there must be a huge contingent oh, of they, fans They did out for the for first time actually recently. And oh, okay, the, what I'm recording right now is going to not be released for a few months, but... I just released the episode I recorded back in October when they came for the first time. And it. Well, I hope you will go the, well, maybe not the same scale, but have the same situation <laughs> of them. They came here and they were like, we're going to Europe because we got fans there and it would be nice and friendly. And they flooded the place. Oh, the, of course. The, the yeah. place ended up being way too small. Everybody really underestimated the demand for that. Hey, I know how that feels for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that just happened to you. Yep, that, that literally just happened. I mean, and, and that's one of the things I, I, I love to see. It, it's, it's so amazing to, to see the different communities out here. You actually, you mentioned, uh, you know, favorite game designers from Europe, but I'll tell you some of my favorite podcasters because I can't say released because I'm on the show right now. But one of my favorite podcasts is Gender Swapped, which is a German show, oh. which I can only listen to like one or two episodes because 90% of the time it's in German. Oh, yeah. Okay. But they've done a couple interviews that have been in English and they are a phenomenal show. They're very much doing all kinds of RPG coverage, but both the hosts are women and they are doing very much in Germany kind of what I've seen a bunch of shows do in the United States of being like, well, we're bringing a female perspective to this. Because historically, we haven't had that kind of visibility in the space. I recommend if anybody is like a German language listener or wants to listen to some of the English episodes, they did one in English with me and it was great. And I think they did one with Alex Roberts as well. Cool. Mel, anything to add for listeners of the Race podcast? Um, You're hungry. We're going to find you I something am, somewhere nice to eat. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm not ter- terribly entertaining right now. That's yeah, all right. Well, thank you so much for having me on. This was a great conversation. It was great meeting you. I mean, those sort of opportunity uh, is awesome. Hopefully there will be more. <laughs> this episode included Traveling by Ed Schrader's Music Beat The Post Office Line by Dan Melchior und das Menas Complete Shakespeare by Blah 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 which I already played on the show but I couldn't find a song more appropriate to what we were discussing I Have Eaten My Heart by Paddy Steer and Alabaster de Plume. And of course, Solta of Frango, or theme song by Bondé de Roll. 
The logo of the Rollis podcast is designed by Roland Kunz, and you can find it alongside other pieces of art by Roland Kunz on Apple's notebooks on our Public store, and you can even find the logo of the Rollis podcast and more art from the Rollis podcast on face masks now, because I guess that's the world we're living in now. So that's it. I finally released this sort of weird interview, a stew of an interview recorded as Mel and James were visiting us in London. I've been waiting for them in a queue, but I got my revenge because it took me just more than a year to release that episode. Uh, I mean, I didn't do that on purpose, but yeah, I was checking and apparently this was recorded in May 21st, 2019. Uh, yeah, it's a bit shameful. Uh, I'm sorry for the wait, everyone who was there. On one hand, I guess it's nice to uh, have a memento of those better times back a year ago. This definitely feels like a long, long time away. And uh, yeah, I hope James and Mel will visit us again in London and in Europe. But uh, yeah, um, I hope also maybe I'll visit Chicago. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know... Uh, traveling that might be interesting for the rest of the year and beyond uh, if you enjoyed this show and maybe it was the first time you ever listened to one of our episodes please consider joining our newsletter it will allow you to stay informed about everything we do the podcast we release the streams we organize the live events we organize the content we release on youtube and even games we design i will tell a bit more about that you can support us also via Patreon, of course. We just recorded episode 100th of our bonus show Cafe Release with Persephilia. So 100 episodes, uh, it's, uh, it's quite an achievement. Uh, of course, a bit lighter in production terms than uh, the Release podcast proper. Again, uh, sorry, it took a year for me to edit this one. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm very sad that again this month, I didn't have any new reviews. Um, yeah, crying smiley. You can also share it with your friends. I mean, when you meet them in person, two meters apart, or share about it on social media, make sure to tag me if you do so, because it will make me very happy. And um, yeah, if you tag me, uh, I will give you a reply. I will start asking, yeah, hey, oh, did you find that episode? Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for sharing. I'll be very enthusiastic about that. And finally, the big news I don't remember what I said about it last month, but so much happened with that project since last month. I am currently picking up speed with my project to design my own game. It's a story game. It's inspired by the likes of The Extraordinary Adventures of Baron and Chosen or Once Upon a Time. It is called Paris Gondo, The Life-Saving Magic of Inventoring. So what is it about? Well, it's kind of a tribute to encumbrance rules, you know, those things we overlook often when we are dungeon crawling. But uh, yeah, I wanted to do something about that, but through the lens of contemporary well-being consultants, the likes of maybe you would have caught the reference Marie Kondo. If you don't know her, I recommend you check her work. It's quite fascinating. But yeah, it's a, it's a well-being advice on... Uh, what you should be doing when you're an adventurer with your inventory. It starts right at the end of the dungeon. You just defeated the last boss of the dungeon. Some loot is dropped. You got your inventory with you, but you won't be able to carry everything. What are you going to keep? What are you going to throw away? Well, the advice of Paris Gondo is that you should keep what sparks joy in you. But uh, maybe it's not the most sane thing to do. You will find out. And yeah, this game is all about that. Uh, I posted an explanation of it and there will be a link in the description of this episode. So go check it out. And if you're curious, please do join me for a session. I'm taking advantage of being in lockdown to run as many sessions as I can of this game. And I'm hopeful that we'll be able to run some at Origins. I'm waiting those to be confirmed. But uh, yeah, regardless, go there. There's a newsletter just for the game. There's a sign-up form if you want to join an online session so I know when I could invite you so that it matches your availabilities and your time zone and so on. So yeah, go check our link. And, uh, and yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode. Our next episode should be, well, will be 
one I recorded while visiting Lyon in France. There's a game shop there which is very dear to the heart of many French role players. It is called Trollune. And uh, yeah, when I visited Lyon, I took a little bit of my time to go there and interview the staff, ask them about the shop, the games they recommend. And they're very good at recommending some games because I came out of there with at least three French games, which are, I still need to run. So, so they, they're very good at pitching games. So uh, if you listen to that episode, it might make you want to play some French games too. That should be interesting. Thanks again, Mel and James, for visiting us in London. And uh, I'm happy you seem to have had a wonderful time here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you next month. And in the meantime, have good games. Nós é tipo bem Jesus, todo mundo a gente ama Ainda mais se for gatinha, rola até levar pra cama A gente topa tudo, sapatão e bigodudo Na hora do piriri, cai em mim outra vesti Vai batuque! Rolê, rolê, rolê Solta o frango e vem com a gente Rolê, rolê do you see me more as the respected dramatic actor or more of the beloved comic actor? Whoa, 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 whoa. There's still plenty of meat on that bone. Now you take this home, throw it in a pot, add some broth, a potato. Baby, you got a stew going. I think I'd like my money back. <laughs> <laughs>